building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello, and welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today, we are talking about this weird thing that everyone does, which is waiting until they are older or waiting until they have money or until retirement to really live their lives. My guest today is Nat Berman, and he works with entrepreneurs to set them up for a life that they love, a life that they enjoy while they're building companies. And he really refutes this idea that we have to wait for some kind of success or we have to wait for something in particular to start living. He will talk through how he works with clients to take the steps to change their lives. And I hope that you get value out of listening to this as well. Thank you, Nat, and welcome. I've been following you for years. I know we've been connected online for years, and this is our first time talking face-to-face, which is wild. I really appreciate you joining me today. I, I love following you because everything you talk about is so different than what pretty much everyone else says. You talk about things like freedom and structuring your life so it actually works for you and not waiting until you're 65 to actually enjoy your life and just working yourself half to death. How did you get into your line of work and what you're doing right now? So um, that's a great question. And uh, obviously, Thanks a lot for having me. And I've been following yeah. you forever. And I feel like I've, I feel like three years on LinkedIn is like a lifetime. So the fact that really? you're connected in like 2020, it's, it's, it's almost like we're in a different world now. I know, you know we pretty much are, but so um, in terms of coaching um, it was really 2020 when I got on LinkedIn and COVID was kind of rampant in, in the United States and obviously everywhere else. And honestly, a lot of people were kind of bored and just the vibe out there was one of just a lot of desperation, hopelessness, a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, I honestly don't remember how I even went back on LinkedIn because I'm pretty sure I haven't. I've had an account for however long, probably 2005. Oh, yeah. Like I, I have no idea. But somehow I went on there and I saw all these people were like interacting, and there was like this thing called a feed. I mean, I had no idea what was going on, but I. What I did notice since I'd been in the online space for quite a long time is that there were a lot of comments and interactions taking place and you you would see these numbers and I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I saw that there was just this kind of organic reach. My background is, is websites. So I owned and operated a portfolio of sites for literally 17 years, still have them today. Um, and I went on LinkedIn, kind of got a lay of the land saw that there was people doing videos and I literally just grabbed a camera and filmed myself in my backyard, just like I still do today. Just in your tea, in my t-shirt today's chichis, but like, so yeah. Um, it was just like, you know, and I'm not good at doing like long form or anything like that. Like I can't talk for 30 minutes, but I, 
I can do a decent job of just whipping out something in, in a couple of minutes. And frankly, it goes along with my own personality, which is like, I don't want to do something if it takes me more than 15 minutes, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> All right, let, me just, let me just go out and film something. And they started to take off and do pretty well. And I, I started really um, interacting with some of the really good creators at the time. And just, I really learned how to do everything. And then it was about nine or 10 months into it when, cause I initially, when I went on LinkedIn, I was like, let me just see if I can build a following. I have no idea what's going to come of this. I really wasn't targeted nor had a plan, which is very different than today. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I, 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 I guess hit a certain number, whatever it was, I just started to get more and more people coming in asking, you know, do you do coaching? And I never, ever considered something like that. I mean, I considered being a therapist at one point in my life because both my parents are, uh, and I got into the graduate school and everything. And I, I didn't, I decided not to go. Uh, so that part of me has always been there. And then I just decided to give it a shot. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. Didn't know what to charge, nothing. <laughs> and, uh, I had my first sort of run. I think it was late 2020 or 2021. And, um, it went really, really well, but I still just, I didn't know what the hell I wanted, you know, like I knew I was helping people and I knew what to do, but I then like almost took like a, a weird sort of year and a half hiatus, uh, meaning I was still putting up content. I was still engaging, but I was not taking it seriously. Um, and then it was really January of this year, which you and I talked about where I just said, all right, you know, I'm going to kind of go all in here and really put in the effort and, having worked with two coaches um i wouldn't be a coach if i didn't have one myself mm -hmm. um i started to get very very intentional and a lot of people have have remarked on that they're like oh man your content's really different da, da, da. i'm like yeah it's on purpose you know it's because i i really know who i can help these days and why i want to help them and all that kind of stuff so um that's really where i'm at now and uh I have no plans on doing everything, anything different. I don't have like 15 products or anything like that. It's just one-to-one -one coaching. That's all I do. And one-to-one -one coaching on specifically what? If you're like working for 10 to 20 years, you've seen a lot of success in your life. You're either a very good leader or, you know, you, you've been through it all married, not married, doesn't matter. Just a ton of life experience, but you're kind of, I call it mountaintop syndrome, which is something that that I've been pushing a lot of, which is you're kind of climbing this mountain your whole career to reach something. And when you reach the summit, you're like, well, what the hell do I do now? You know, wh where did this get me? Why am I even here? So the best way to describe it is is really giving clarity to folks um, who are at major inflection points in their lives and careers. And it's a lot of them are kind of thinking, myself, thinking themselves, what am I doing? What should I do next? Whether that's a new business, whether that's a hobby, whatever it might be, it's the exploration of that and figuring that out and then really dialing in and formulating a plan and a strategy uh, to carry that out. And then obviously the coaching part is really, you know, the accountability and yeah. uh, being there with them as they sort of go along. And then the hope is that you get fired and, and that they're all they're good to go. And you know that they can sort of do this off and running on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate to that in that 
you know, you start something, you set a goal, then you get to that goal. You can either set the bigger goal or it's kind of like, well, now what, you know? And I think that with COVID, that was a lot of, or that was how a lot of people felt is, okay, well, now what, you know, I'm here, I'm home, or I've reached a point in my career that, you know, I'm feeling comfortable. Do you stay comfortable? Do you push yourself? Do you try something new? So when a client signs on with you, when they're in that inflection point, what are the first few things that you're usually doing with them? Like someone that's listening, that's at that point, what mm-hmm. do they need to do? The first thing I usually want to know is where they are and then where do you want to be? Right. Yeah. And we really just start with very simple questions as in the, the most common thing I ask people because I'm a lifestyle person is what do you want your day to look like? Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of uh, usually a much harder time than you would think answering that question, because it's like if you had time, what would you actually do with it? And a lot of people just aren't used to that and don't really know what to say. So there's a lot of introspection involved. And it's I, I almost I call it the identification stage because it may take a few weeks. It could take even longer just to arrive at that point where you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how I see things or where I would like them to be. So we always start off with the the most basic human questions, things like, what do you want? What do you want your life to look like? You know, and, and try to be as vivid and detailed as possible. And that's always the place that I start with with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting when you try to get people to separate what they want in their life from their identity being around work. I think a lot of us, myself included for so many years, my identity was work. I was a hard worker. I was an achiever. That was like everything that I wanted. And all of my goals for my life were related to achievement and work. And when you separate yourself from that, it's like, you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and figure out what do I actually want out of my life? You know, like, what would I do if I slowed down a little bit? How can I make myself? I mean, I know I talk and you talk about physical performance too. Like, how can I make myself feel better and feel happy? And at the end of the day, if what I want is to be happy, what does that entail? If it's not just like achieving something at work? Yeah. Excellent point. I wish there was some sort of like salve for age, but it really doesn't come unless you experience it. And it's just like, it's good and bad, right? Like, I wish I kind of knew all this at 22 and I don't. And I admire, you know, some of the younger folks who are starting to learn, like it's about living, right? And it's not even necessarily about this whole work-life balance. I really believe it's life balance. I, I don't, I don't even like to use the word work in it. And it's not about, okay, I have to do something I love and I'm passionate about. Like the older you get, the more you realize it's, that's, it's, it doesn't, it's not necessarily that it's more like putting your lifestyle first and then sort of weaving your way around that. And a lot of times, thankfully there are those of us that are in that position to do that, but a lot of people are just afraid to jump off. Um, being comfortable is very, very easy and very safe. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to get away from. Mm-hmm. But if you're there too long, you'll kind of realize, well, what I truly want isn't here. 
You know what I mean? And and it gnaws at you and it will come back and it always does. And it's until you sort of start tackling that and taking those little jumps, that's when things start to change and, and really move in the direction you want. Yeah. And man, I've been in those ruts too, where it's like, I don't feel like striving for more. I'm comfortable right now. I'm going to lay in bed with my cats and chill out for a little while, but you can't stay there too long because you can't become complacent and it works against you because while it may make you happy at first, it's not going to make you happy forever. And what makes you happy, I think is really like in here and you have to figure out what that looks like in your daily life. I agree. It is another thing that you talk about online is, well, you talk about a lot of things online in a way that's different than most. So for example, you don't look at retirement as what happens when you stop working. You look at it more as a lifestyle thing. You just did a post on how you can be poor, even if you have money. And it's like, it's so interesting because I think that you think in a way that is very contradictory of popular teachings. How did you come to see the world like that? Is this something that you gained over time or that you learned piece by piece? Tell me about it. I think it starts, honestly, just sort of the way I've always been. And it's very much related to um, never being comfortable in a traditional work setting. Like I I know that for me, uh, it's even in my about section, like I never wanted a boss. That's the first thing you read you know, on my profile. And I never liked authority or anything like that. And it has nothing to do with someone telling me what to do and, you know, getting in my face and being a micromanager. That's just a bad, toxic boss, right? Right. Even people who were super nice and supportive and great, um, I still had a problem with it. Not of them as people, but me in that situation, meaning that I didn't have something in my own hands the ability to sort of whatever, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, create my own destiny. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that always gnawed at me for since a very young age. So that falls very much in line, not with just work, but obviously with life. Right. And so I wanted to be able to have that feeling everywhere no matter what. So it's like, well, if I don't want to go to the movies today, I'm not going to the movies. You know, if I don't want to do this today, I'm not going to do that. It's it's just having options, having choice. And so that all ties together uh, in a very big way. So I so wish the word retirement didn't mean what it meant. Um, you know, and it's because it's such a great sounding word. It just, it sounds good. So it's like, it's not going away. They're not taking it away, but I just wish, you know, it didn't, have the connotation of, of something ending. Um, mm-hmm. So that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And, and, and frankly, I, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be when I'm 75 and, you know, or, or 80 or whatever it is. Um, I just know that I don't see myself wanting to be in this sitting around place. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't be able to move as well as I can now. Right. I won't be able to do certain things I can now, but I got to be doing something like, I don't know, playing chess or something, you know, something that that's involving my brain or taking a walk or, and again, another thing that sounds just so cliche, but to think that you got to, you know, work 40, 50 years, whatever it is to, to earn the right to not do it. Right. You know, in, in for lack of a better words, that that's, that's the way I, I hear it. It's like, you have to do this so that you don't have to do anything anymore. 
Yep. That that sucks. Like I'm and sorry. Like, it just and does. says who, right? right. Like, like where did it come from? Yeah. So yeah, what's really just interesting is you know I used to invest in stocks and I used to do all this and and I was like, but for what? It could go up ten percent, go down percent. Like my my mentality has always been, I'm relatively conservative. I don't like to lose money. It doesn't mean I need to gain fifty percent. But I've been there. I've done that with all these things. And I think it was like a couple of years ago. I, I I just took all my money out of the stock market. It's just in a big fat wad of cash, you know, in treasuries or whatever. And I'm just like, I sleep like a baby. I'm like, all right, I got enough for a really long time. And who cares what they say? Does it have to turn into 10 million by X year? No, but for what? You know what I mean? If anything, I'm teaching my kids to be self-sufficient and entrepreneurial on their own. So it's like, I'm working so hard to have maybe 10 years of comfort. And then I just hand, and let's face it, anyone who thinks about retiring doesn't really want to live off the principal anyway. They always want to live off the interest so that they give the principal to their kids and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I just, one day I, I came up with the phrase, it's just, it's such an obvious phrase, but if you just ask yourself this one question more often, it's great. You just say, for what? That's all you got to say, for what? And when you really look at yourself and ask yourself, it's a scary question because there are so many things that you're doing in your life and you're like, but for what? And you you just, it's, it's such a simple question. It could really stop you in your tracks. Yeah. I think it's really important for us to question our own reality. I think a lot of people take their thoughts or their perspective of a situation as gospel, like that is the truth. And a lot of people take the things that are taught to us by our parents or society or norms, and that is the gospel. That is the truth. That is what we should be aiming for. But it's not really like that. It's kind of, you can create whatever you want and you can make your life look however you want it to. But first you have to figure out what you want it to look like. I agree. And I just think it's, I think it's funny how, you know, the way you and I are talking right now, it makes us sound like believers. You know what I mean? Like, For like, real. like we're drinking the Kool-Aid, right? But the funny thing is, is that I have found from every person I've worked with, when you actually turn them into a believer and they actually believe it, it's something clicks. I don't know what it is and call it philosophical, call it whatever. It really actually, it's not acting as if, right? It's not that. It's not, you know, fake it till you make it kind of stuff. It's it's a literal belief. Uh, and when it kind of hits, you sort of realize that, hey, like I sort of can do this and I don't have to do what they tell me and I, I can I can figure this out. Yeah. Uh, it's a very empowering feeling. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. And asking yourself, why not? Yeah. So we are at the end of our time. That went really fast. If you have one takeaway, one thing that people that are listening should remember forever after listening to this, what's your biggest takeaway? There's two mottos that I actually go by. And uh, one of them is do what you got to do. And the other one is no excuses, get it done. Mm -hmm. So if there is a takeaway here, it's that I'm very, very big on taking ownership of yourself, no matter who you are, what your situation, where you're from. You know, 
race, gender, sexual orientation doesn't matter. Like I, I, I truly believe that there aren't excuses in, in the majority of cases. Look, obviously some, sometimes there are exceptions, but I truly believe that a lot of these things that people kind of use as excuses to not get what they want, they're, they're really obstacles. And I think the more you can look at excuses as obstacles, things will uh, open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you are more in control than you think often. Yeah. Very true. We live way too much in our heads. Yeah, It's absurd. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone does that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm guilty. How, I mean, come on. Who, who's Same. not guilty of it? Yeah. But uh, the lucky few that, that can just have a bit better of a percentage in reality uh, always end up doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for everyone listening, if you can share this podcast with just one person who needs to hear this message, who is at that inflection point and wants to change their lives, please do that and help us grow our listener base. I really appreciate it. 